back again. Yes. What's going on, world? Welcome to another From Hood to Good episode podcast day each and every Monday. Y'all know how we do. This week, I got a special episode lined up for you guys. I got my man Greg Gully on the line. I like that name. What's beautiful about this week, a lot of the times people, you know, want to just promote things, want to share what they working on at the moment, which I have no problem with. But this week, we ain't trying to sell you nothing. We ain't trying to direct you to no website. We ain't trying to promote a book. We got newly engaged father, family man who really supporting the youth, doing good things out there. I really like that. So grab your pen and pad. This one is going to be from the heart. My man Gregory Gully going to drop some gems. Hope y'all like it. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, world? We back with another From Hood to Good episode. Your boy Ronnie Jack's holding it down. Welcome once again to Podcast Day. Y'all know how we do each and every Monday. And today, I got something special lined up for you guys. Now, y'all know a lot of podcasts get up there. Somebody want to tell you about their book. They want to tell you about their website. They want to tell you about their new workout program, their fitness program, which is all good. I love it. But today, we got somebody who's just coming from the heart with his uh, newly engaged father, family man, brother, son. Um, not sure if you got any siblings. We probably get into that. But today we got today we got my man Gregory Gully, who has decided to bless us with his presence. Thank you so much. A uh, couple of things we might be discussing, just, um, you know, keeping your sanity, being a good father, becoming a mentor, translating health, fatherhood, mentorship, and philosophy into everyday life. So, Gregory, how you feeling this morning? This I'm blessed, day, man. Right? I'm blessed, man. You know, I'm definitely enjoying this day, you know, with the sun while we got it. So, I'm doing, I'm doing awesome, man. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing great. Um, I hate to keep beating the dead horse, but you, I, I'm sure you're aware and the listeners are aware. I'm still recovering. I'm starting this physical therapy uh, piece, continuing it. It's 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 challenging. So that's what's what's going on on my end. Um, so is it all right if I call you Greg? I I would you know want to make sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. All right. Greg, I just want to say thank you. Um. And can you tell us a little bit about your, because here we like the story. The story kind of much paints the picture. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, my, how you might have grown up, things of that nature? Yeah, no problem. So <clears throat> I grew up in um, in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, my father was a state trooper. My mother, she was in the Navy working at the commissary. Um, pretty, you know, middle class situation. Um, um Fast forward, my mom was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, which is basically um, it's basically where all the muscles in your body just kind of breaks down until ultimately your uh, you know your heart and your lung muscles you know give away. So she fought that battle for a while. And being young, um, being a young kid, you know, being the I had, I I have brothers. I had an older brother. Um, he ultimately passed away in '99, but I have a younger brother who's four years behind me. So 
at that particular point in time, my older brother, you know, he was in the, he was in the streets, you know, you know, doing the, you know, hustling, selling the drugs and situations like that. My younger brother was just too small. So kind of taking care of my mother kind of fell on my shoulders, but my, you know, because my dad being a state trooper, he was always working. So, you know, just kind of personally, that's kind of where my, my passion for helping people has come from, you know, was taking care of my mother, you know, she, and she was kind of the same way. So, you know, dealing with that kind of being the, you know, responsible, the go-to kid is what I, I used to call it, um, for whenever she needed things. Um, and just experiencing that whole, um, situation with kind of watching your mother, you know, slowly pass away. It, it can definitely be, you know, and it can be an eye-opening experience, you know, it can be, it can affect you negatively or it can affect you positively depending on, you know, your thought process and the whole thing. So kind of fast forward, you know, I've always been the guy to take care of my family, you know, even with my father, ultimately he, um, he passed away back in 2015. He was a diabetic. Um, so, you know, kind of taking care of him, that kind of fell on that responsibility as well on me. Um, of course, on top of that, being a single dad of three boys. Um, so it was a lot going on. It, it was, it was a lot, but you know, I, I was always taught, you know, you got to, take what God gives you and you got to handle your business. And, you know, for me, especially fatherhood, man, when my boy, when my boys came, it I just broke down to, okay, it's not about me anymore. You know, I, I've had my fun now. It's time for me to pour everything I know into them. So pretty much for the most part, my life has been taking care of other people. I, I used to coach youth football uh, for 11 years. So my passion is football. I kind of tell people that football saved my life, you know, dealing with a mother that was sick, you know, as a young kid, you go through that depression, but you don't really know what that depression piece of it is. You don't understand it. You know, you just know that, you know, why is this happening to me? Why, why, why am I going through these things? And of course, as you get older, you're able to put a label on it and realize and understand the fact that, you know, mental health, even way back in the 1980s and 90s, you know, affects us, affected us as young people. So my goal is to basically try to get our youngins to understand the, the mental, the mental health aspect of their life, what it is that they're going through, how to use, you know, different avenues outside of being on the street, outside of, you know, selling drugs, you know, and I don't have anything against music. You know, I'm all for, you know, people are creatively expressing this healthy music. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be a rapper, that's fine. Uh, do you know how to play any instruments? You know what I'm saying? Do you not, do you have a beat machine? Do you have a drum machine? There's a lot of ways you can build on top of that just, outside of, you know, being a rapper and, and, you know, just trying to get these kids to see the other side of the coin, you know, to, to understand that they're, they don't have to be what society or their city says they have to be. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm loving this man, because there's so much that comes to mind. Just hearing you talk about these things, um, mastering the craft. A lot of people just think just you could get on the mic and just because you got some flows or whatever, that's cool. But is there's a lot more to it once you um, get more in depth to what actually is music and studying sounds and how sounds affect people. I think that's real important. And man, Greg, this is just incredible because I hear um, also that you said you mentioned how the mental health is downplayed. And I saw in, when you were kind of giving us that quick rundown introduction that a lot of pressure jumped on your shoulders. Uh, middle child, right? I, I caught that middle child. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, middle child. 
Um, even with all that pressure, having somebody older, younger, um, some people can throw in a towel. And I, I did catch one thing that you said, football saved your life. And, and, and what's, what I've witnessed going on in this community and my community, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, is that um, a lot of these after-school programs are lose, losing funding, uh, things of that nature. Can you touch on how, how important uh, football or any other extracurricular activity, whether it be football, basketball, but for you specifically, it was football. Can you tell us how that played a role when you say it uh, saved your life? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, you know, from that time span for me personally, it was roughly from the ages of seven until about 13 um, was when my mom was sick, you know. So naturally, nobody wants to see their mother, you know, in that state. They, you know, you don't want to see, a, you know, the woman that brought you into this world. You don't want to see them suffering. And my my father, um, God rest his soul, my father, with him being a state trooper, he had a kind of a type, you know, type A personality. It was kind of like, I know everything, <laughs> you know nothing. It's my way, the highway. You do what I you do, what I do not as I say, I mean, you do what do as I say, not as I do, you know, right. situations like that. So just, you know, I've dealt with a lot of verbal abuse from my father and, you know, be, being older now and understanding that he was going through his own, you know, battles and struggles and things like that. And, you know, that was his way of dealing with it. That was his way of projecting it, you know, just out getting it out of his system, not knowing that it affects us as his children in a negative manner. Can so, I? What was your um? Had your mother? Was she still around at this time when he? Yeah, like, she was he, still okay. around. Yeah, she was still around. So, um, just being in the neighborhood, you know, playing with, you know, just you see your friends and you know, hey, what's up? You want to play football? Yeah, let's just go play football. And just the aggression piece of it, I, I really had to take it taken to i was just like okay this is you know a situation where you know i can just release all of the negative things that i'm feeling inside my head inside my body you know i can put it into this um and it, it dawned on me really quick that this was an avenue um that i could go down you know that'll help me you know stay away stay off the street because as i said before my brother my older brother he was you know he was in the drugs selling drugs things of that nature and you know i had access to it you know but you know luckily having a you know a police um policeman as a father you know you stayed away from that 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 arena but it, it was still accessible to me that makes sense so you know i thank god that i made the conscious decision to use football as an avenue to deal with a lot of the mental um things I was dealing with so and you know fast forward to now you know I try to encourage that in my children but also other children you know because there's so many life lessons in sports you know there's keeping yourself accountable you know having you know your teammates you have to you know you have to do your part for your teammates you know and so many lessons in sports can play into you know your home life your work life um just your everyday living and how, what type of legacy you want to, you want to, you know, you want to leave behind when God calls you home. So um, when I say football saved my life, I really, you know, from my children to, you know, cousins to kids that I don't even know, just the kids that are on the street and they just see you, you know, that presence of a, of a coach and they want to learn and they, they want someone to teach them. 
but you know they don't have that so you know i i enjoy just kind of spreading my knowledge to to as many people as i possibly can mm -hmm. yeah man um and thank you for that on behalf of the youth <laughs> the youth out there but you said something man i gotta i gotta ask you about it it's, it's, it's just tugging on my heart that must have been a crazy situation for you to be in um because I, I i got an uncle who was uh mta police and you know he he was a little passive not like none of us were kind of heavy streetwise like that but for you to have a brother in the streets and then a father who's a part of the law you know that's kind of man that must be a, a sticky situation for what what was that like can you tell us about that it was it was tough. It it was really tough because you know you know being you know a young young black kid you know you don't you don't have anybody really look up to you. That's your big brother. You know you want to emulate your big brother. You want to do yeah. you know your your brother kind of is the way. Like man, that's my big brother. You know what I'm saying? I tell people, hey yeah, such and such. That's yeah, that's my big that's my big brother right there. But, like the you know, coolest dude in your eyes. Yeah, man. At, at that at age, man, my brother was everything to me. You know what I'm saying? It was like he drove, you know, he drove a BMW. He wore the, the clothes. He listened to the, you know, the go-go and the music. And they were all, him and my cousins, they would go to D.C. and, you know, get the old school go-go mixtapes and things like that. So it was like, man, you know, that's that's what I wanted. But at the same time, it was like, you know, my, my pops, who is a very, he was a very stern man, you know, very you know, this is how we're, this is how we're going to be. And looking back now, you know, do, being do you think Pops kid, knew? he knew, he knew, but at the same time, um, my brother never brought it home. He had enough mm -hmm. respect to keep it away from the household, especially with the situation going on with my mother. But like I said, growing up in a small town like Annapolis, you know, everybody knew everybody. So you could go, you know, family members would be in the neighborhood. We would go visit family members. I would see him on the corner. Like, okay, just, right. Um, but just, you know, he never, he never disrespected the home. I can say that much. And it was never a situation where my father caught him doing some things he wasn't supposed to do. But we all knew. We, we knew what the situation was, um, you know. And, and you know it was what it was at that particular point in time, and 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 just for me, I just like I said, I, I could I could have went left or I could have went right, and I chose yeah. to go right. Yeah, that that reminds me of um, <laughs> like me, I I always like to have my transparent moments. You know, my story may be a little little less mad, little, little milder than than that per se, but my whole thing was I just didn't want to let my grandmom down. I figured if I do anything and she see me doing it something that she doesn't approve of it it'll just crush her and yeah i think it's a it's a lot of a lot of guys like that i even seen this um i don't recollect if it was a show or what it was exactly but it was like two um drug dealers whatever they was in the streets and one of them had got shot or something like that and the first thing he said was don't tell mommy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, this guy's right here bleeding, and that's the first thing that he think of is don't don't tell mommy. So I um, because, because he know if he if he pull through, mommy got something for him. <laughs> and it was just crazy to me. So um, yeah, Greg, can you um just like let us know 
like that transition as you were growing up, I, I see the, the, the burden of just kind of holding things down, just having that nurturance that, that like, you kind of had to mature quickly. I'm assuming that's what it sounds like. You kind of had to mature a lot, a lot faster than um, other people. And yeah. you said, you know, football saved your life. Um, but man, that's, that's really hard. So many people would say, yo, my brother's doing his thing. He got, he got money. Um, and a lot of time the finances could drive us to just make poor decisions. What mm -hmm. are some things that kind of kept you aside from just the sports? Was it just like, I mean, we, we having a, a rough time, but it ain't that bad. You know what I mean? Like what kind what kind of things to you kind of kept you away from that avenue or head towards the streets? Just seeing my environment, you know, just seeing um, family members and some of the things they were going through and dealing with, you know, when it came to, you know, the drug game, using drugs, selling drugs, and just the, the hustle and bustle that came into it. Like, I, I witnessed a lot, you know. I lost cousins at, you know, the gun violence at a young age, you know. Mm. Um, just seeing those things just, you know, gave me, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? a wake up call to say, mm -hmm. you know, that's not the life I want to live. And of course, you know, my mother, you know, it's filling in me, you know, to, to do the best that I can do, you know, naturally. And, mm -hmm. you know, us as young kids, we, you know, we want to buck the system sometimes, you know, our, our parents try to tell us what's good and we just were kind of want to know, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. But my mom, even, even on her deathbed, man, she stayed on me. She, she stayed on me. And, you know, she made it a point to tell me to take care of my younger brother, you know, because, you know, she knew she wasn't going to be around. And she knew some of the things my father was dealing with, you know, from a, a work perspective, from a mental perspective. So she just she knew I was the one, you know, she knew I was that that go to. And it was tough. It was it was really hard. It, I mean, it was I used to tell people I was like, man, if you knew my life story, you uh, you wouldn't know how I, you wouldn't know how i'm still here you know but yeah. through the grace of god man you know god god had a different plan and i just i'm thankful that he didn't allow me to go down that 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 bad route and to for me to still be here at 42 because i've lost classmates i've lost cousins i've lost you know my brother like i said he passed away at age 27 through a car accident you know the one that i looked up to right. you know he's gone so Having, having, experiencing that death at such an early age really, really puts your life into perspective. May, may I ask if you, um, like, did church or spirituality play any any part in your decision making? Early on, no. Um, <clears throat> early on, I just kind of did the church thing because my mom wanted me to do it. You know, it was just like, okay, ma, you know, you want us to get up and go to church. You know, naturally, as a kid, you don't want to get up and go to Sunday school. You want to sit around, lay around the house in your pajamas, and you want to watch cartoons, and you know. Mm. But from that at that particular point, um, it was it was a part of my upbringing, and so I didn't really fully lean on, start leaning on my faith until I got into high school. Um, right, um, probably about ninth or tenth grade year. Um, you know, my aunt she started making us go back to church. And it was at that point where I really started to kind of pay, paying attention. Cause you know, at, at a young age, you just there, you're not really paying attention to what the pastors are saying, what the deacons are saying. You just see everybody yelling and screaming and jumping and talking in tongues. You're like, man, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, as you get older, 
and, and you know, you're willing to learn and willing to soak in, you know, what people are trying to teach you, you know, it definitely makes you think twice about some of your decision making. So that, uh, my faith definitely increased as I got into my teenage years. But honestly, I don't I don't think it hit full bloom until prof- probably like my my mid 30s, honestly. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, if, yeah, I'll just say me too on that one. And I just think it's funny that um, I mean, I see it happen so often. You said when you were younger, we just like, man, young, young parents, y'all, man, y'all old school. Things don't change. I don't know what y'all talking about. Right. It's kind of like that. Like, yeah, that wild horse kind of has to be, well, for lack of a better word, I'll just say tame. But I noticed that really comes with age. Um, uh, Someone once told me that that whatever whatever you're going through now is kind of like your training ground. So um, just just having that that youth, that that vigor, just being being young. You know the, the the blessing of being young is some some of these things are so are supposed to happen to you because it kind of molds you into who you grow up to be. Yes. Um, and 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 you mentioned um earlier so because because I want to touch on this we it's rare we get somebody who with, with no agendas and I'm just loving this. Um, you mentioned earlier that when you had a child because I'm I'm child free. Some people have told me that. Child, the responsibility of raising children really changed their lives. And yeah. it's this whole stigma out there that, you know, black fathers, you know, ain't, <laughs> ain't too, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right, um, right. Like from, from your perspective, from somebody with like no agenda, who's not trying to sell us anything, who just, who really had that um, nurturing, so to speak. And I use nurturing very loosely. I'm, I'm, not to you know make it sound less masculine or anything like no, that. No, I get it. No, no, I'm with you. Right, right. But how how has fatherhood, you know, because you did say it kind of changed your life, kind of woke you up a little bit. Um, can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, coming out of college, um, and not to kind of you know, and I'm not saying this to brag or to kind of put myself out there, but you know, I I. I did a lot, you know, there, there were a lot of young women, you know, a lot of parties, a lot of alcohol, you know, just the typical college life, you know, the regular and Mike so, Larry. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little, little Mike Larry, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I got you. But yeah, so you, you know, and then, you know, one, I never call my son a mistake. One situation. And it's just like, okay, now you got this, you got this seat, you got this little human being that comes from you. And you see so many situations where, you know, you got other guys raising up, you know, stepfathers and things of that nature. My mentality was like, look, this is my son. Nobody is raising my son except for me. This is, this is my kid, you know? And I wanted to, t- I wanted my son to have a better relationship with you know with myself than i had with my father because me and my father we didn't have a great relationship you know it was kind of two two bulls constantly butting heads you know and mm-hmm. you know there was a situation one time when i was in high school where my dad actually pulled his gun out on me mm. yeah so just kind of dealing with that whole aspect my my 
my mentality as a brand new father was, I don't want that for my son. I'm going to do everything I need to do for my son, you know, because it's not about me anymore, you know. And, of course, naturally, that's where, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese comes in, you know, taking them to the parks, playing catch with them. All the things that my father didn't get a chance to do because he was working, trying to provide for hit provide for us. You know, but as, as a young boy, you just kind of look like my father wasn't there. My father didn't do this. My father didn't do that. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, Pops did the best he could with what he had. And all he knew was to work because that's what his parents taught him to work, to, to provide for the family and everything else is it is what it is. But my thing was, you know, I want my son to have the relationship that I wish I had with my father. And so, you know, like I said, it was just an everyday battle. And you come into struggles and not to discount or downplay their mother, but, you know, she wasn't as active and as involved as you would expect, you know, a mother to be. So, again, a lot of the burdens of raising children fell on me. And then, of course, you know, being young, I say young and stupid, you know, you keep having children by the same same woman, you know, because you think it was the wrong, you think it was the wrong body part. I mean, let's, right. let's keep it 100 so long story short i ended up with uh three kids um all basically there within a five-year span their ages are 19 17 and 14 now um and they're they're all bigger than me but at that particular time when they were young i mean it was literally like you know just you know i would have one in my arm one strapped over my shoulder and one kind of walking to make sure he's not running in the street you know it's it was a lot, a lot you know, it, like I said, when it changes your life, it really, but you have to, and I say that to say you have to allow it to change your life. You, ha you have to be willing to change because there are fathers out here. I mean, let's, let's be honest. There are fathers out here who don't father their children, who don't, you know, nurture their children, who don't wake up three o'clock in the morning when their kids are sick and take them the right time. You know, they, they, they just throw everything on the mother, you know, right, and it right. takes, it really takes two. It really takes you know, the mother and the father, you know, to, to raise these kids, you know? Um, so yeah, as far as the life changing aspect of it, it I mean, <laughs> you don't sleep for about <laughs> 10 to 12 years, you know, wow. <laughs> like, wow. you know, everything, you know, I went from driving a BMW 325i to driving a Dodge a minivan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, oh, it, it, but I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. You know, when I, when it's time for me to go, I can honestly sit back and say I, I did my job as a father. So mm, Now, um, I, I don't want to, you said something in there that I'm sure listeners are like, wait, wait, what, what was that? <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on behalf of the listeners. You said your pops pulled the gun out on you in, yeah, in school. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. Me just hearing it, I'm like, that had to be a scary situation. Um, it was. First, first thing I thought of, <laughs> Dan, did anybody see this? <laughs> you know, let's go nope. with the students. Oh, man. So, and then my second thought is, man, you must have did something really, really bad. Is that is that an area, something you could I mean, I wouldn't with that situation? I wouldn't say I did anything bad. Mm. I think he was doing it to try to, as a scare tactic. I think he was trying to scare me. Um, yeah, really it sounds show. like 
Yeah, yeah. taking I put you in this world, I'll take you out literally. Right, right, <laughs> right. So and nobody uh, saw it. it. It was it was in our home. Uh it was just him and I. <laughs> yeah, he and I was froze I was frozen with fear. And of course that that really messes with you mentally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being that young, I was always angry. I was always mad. I was always like, Why is this life happening to me? You know? Um and at that point in time, he did it, you know, as a scare tactic. You know, of course, it wasn't loaded, but there was a situation where he did pull it out on me, and it was uh, it was a hot situation. You know, we had gotten my my father was an alcoholic, so mm. you know, we got into some some scuffles, and you know, it, it became physical. And that you know, being a young man, you know, playing football, lifting weights, you know, it got to a point where. He realized he couldn't toss me around like he used to. So his first reaction was to, you know, as a police officer, to go get your gun. Mm. You know, and in the heat of the moment, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was basically over uh, me and how I parented my children and how I didn't hold their mother accountable. I mean, he was he was always on me about that. And so I just, I had enough. I, I got fed up. I was like, why are you always on me? Like, what is your problem? I'm doing, I'm out here doing the best I can. I'm working. I'm trying to take care of my kids. Why are you so concerned about what she's not doing for her kids? Yes, they're her kids, but they're mine too. And I'm going to do everything I need to do for my children. So honestly, I just, I got fed up. And so it got physical and, you know, being a, you know, five foot 11, 230 pound college linebacker, you know, you get you have a little strength on you. So, I, you know, I was tossing him around a little bit. So he went and grabbed his gun. And in the heat of the moment, I told him, I said, look, if you're going to pull that gun on me, you better shoot me. Because if you don't, I'm going to kill you. I'm letting you know now. So, yeah. and that's not something I'm proud of. That is not, it's not something I'm proud of. And looking And looking back and dwelling on that, you know, I let my anger get the best of me. Because... I had my father down on the ground with a 10-pound dumbbell in my hand, about to hit him upside his head, but my brother walked in and pulled me off of him. And all of this happened while my children were in the house. So naturally, they're crying. And at that point, I vowed to never allow myself to get to that point mentally ever again, because it's, it's a dangerous place to be. And that's kind of when my, you know, being an advocate for mental health kind of started. You know, because you hear situations where people say, oh, I blacked out. I don't know what happened. Well, you know, if you if you're conscious of how you are in certain situations, you're able to get in front of it. You know, you're able to put measures in place to where, though, you won't allow yourself to get to that point to where you where you end up blacking out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can it can it can be a family trait, you know. Because a lot of times, there a lot of things that you know young kids do that they are, they are you know, they are traits from family members, whether grandparents, aunts, uncles, things of that nature. But a lot of it is just you know being in the heat of that moment and not being able to think and just reacting. Definitely, man. And um, I think too, it, there's definitely a lesson in this. Like one thing I, I caught out of it, and you were you were mentioning early before I just and quiet about the whole, that situation. I think a lot of the times, um, parents, you know, whether they be young, old, mothers, fathers, anything, we 
pay more attention to the mistakes of our parents and not what we got from it. Like, um, I'll just use put myself on the on the on the guillotine or the chopping block or the you know be the guinea pig or whatever. But I've learned from actually both parents that the things that I, I see them do that I necessarily didn't agree with, it actually kind of teaches you of what not to do. It's like, man, I hate the fact that my parent is this way. Or I hate the fact that, you know, even something as light as, you know, you're so overprotective, just something like that could let us know, like, this is how I feel. This is how I felt growing up. You know, when I have children, when if I'm blessed to ever have children, I'll know better to kind of give them that a little more rope to kind of, like, I'm learning what to do and what not to do because there's no really um, instruction manual on this whole parenting thing. We, I guess we kind of Yeah, it's on the job go. training. It's on the job training. Right, right. And just to, um, man, I, like I hate this about them. So when I become a parent, I won't do this. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a lesson that just so many people overlook. And yep. yeah, the, to make the next generation better is, is what I believe we should all just be pursuing for or working our way towards. Um, so let's let's get into today. You know, father of three, newly engaged. Well, is it more than three? Uh, you said three, but did it stop three? It's, you... it's three. It's well, it's <laughs> it's bio, It's technically four, but the th my my three boys are the ones that I've been around. I have a, a older daughter. She's twenty four. Um, you know, we don't have the best relationship because of some things that happen between myself and their mother. And, you know, that's just a situation when God says it's time to, for us to reconnect and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But um, mm. technically I have four, but there are three main children. So, but hold on, here's, here's where the kicker comes in. Mm -hmm. I have... I basically take care of my godson, who is my brother's youngest sibling on their mom's side. So his his father is in St. Louis. So I basically am responsible for an eight-year-old, another eight-year-old boy. Stays at my mm -hmm. house. You know, I take him to school, things of that nature. But my fiance, she has five kids, right? Wow. So there's a total of nine and a possible ten between the between the both of us now luckily Ooh. they're all potty trained luckily they're all <laughs> potty trained. you know so we got you know there's they her kids are she has a, one son who's 20 and she has four daughters uh 18 17 16 and 9 so wow. yes yeah man yeah the Black Brady Bunch. <laughs> I always say God never puts us in positions that we can't handle. So I'm I'm trusting him that he knows he knows what's going on. So we're just gonna make it work. Mm, Gregory, I would just, I wanna salute you, man, because I know so many people that are buckled behind one, you know, and, and, and to kinda still hold the line, man. And you speak about um being well, like my question is, how do you kind of keep that rhythm going? Because you know, you you're working in uh, fatherhood, mentorship, philosophy. You're you're doing that, and you're still having a regular life. Uh, well, regular, you know, with with what you're working with. How do you right. keep that balance? 
between your personal identity and being a father as well as a husband without, you know, losing it? Is there some kind of therapy involved? Like, can you tell us the secrets? I can tell you what works for me, um, you know, because what uh, naturally what works for one person doesn't work for the next. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a, mm. it's, it's a it's never a situation where you you figure it out on the first try, and then it's just like okay, this is where this is what works. It's it's a lot of trial and error. You will never get it right on the first shot. It may take a million times, but that a million and one. That's all it takes is one time to get it right. So for me personally, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself to be a pretty humorous guy. Like I like to laugh. I like to make other people laugh. You know, I just believe that it keeps the spirit young. It keeps us young as, you know, as we get older, you know, and I just believe in making people feel good and keeping a smile on their face, you know? So um, I surround myself, I do sound, surround myself with a, a lot of young people, a lot of young adults um, that kind of forces me to, to say, okay, this is what's hip. This is what the kids are listening to. And not saying I'm going to go out and try to be them to, to fit in, but just to kind of be in the know and to have it in my, you know, my utility belt, just in case if I come across a situation, I know how these youngins think. I know what they, they, I know how they react to certain situations way different than how, you know, us in our age or when we were younger react. So I surround myself with a lot of young kids um, and because they're so innocent and they don't, they're, they're pure and, and you know, they're going, you're going to get honesty from them. You know, they're not going to sugarcoat anything and they're going to keep it, they're going to keep it 100 with you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, of course, as they, as they get older, yeah, a lot of that stuff gets tainted, but um, definitely exercise. I'm a big advocate for health and exercise. Of course, um, trying to eat the right foods. Um, I'm not, and I say try because, you know, I have the occasional slice of cheesecake or two and I'm not supposed to, but <laughs> at the same, you know what I mean? At the same time, it's all about, like, it's about balance, you know, having a salad, you know, you know, every now and again, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, but not, you know, but being able to treat yourself. So definitely trying to, you know, eat right, um, exercise, um, you know, as I get older, I, I've realized that I can't, you know, put. 280 pounds on the bench press anymore and you know i have to kind of figure out new ways to stay healthy and um as i was telling my fiance nowadays i was like look i've i've been in a situation i've i've lifted you know 500 pounds before at 42 years old i don't need to do that you know right now i just want to make sure everything stays together and don't fall apart so mm. just trying to figure out ways to you know stay healthy stay active um definitely church um mentors and 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 being and finding a mentor like having an older mentor to lean on you know because a lot of times when you're in a leadership position you know you're so busy coaching everybody else there's yeah. nobody coaching you so i make it a point to have you know older gentlemen you know husbands older mentors who's been down the road that I'm going and kind of just leaning on them whenever I'm feeling some type of way. I'm just like, Hey man, I got this going on. I need to get this off my chest, you know, and then using them as a, you know, to get advice. Like, and, and it just helps to have someone to talk to. Cause I say, when you're in that leadership position, man, you're so busy trying to direct traffic and you're trying to put, put out fires 
you're telling people what to do and not to do, and then they buck the system, and then you're trying to correct them and trying to keep all of this stuff together. But like as you mentioned, you know, how do you how do you keep your sanity and all that? You know, mm-hmm. so you know, I definitely make it a point to talk to older, like-minded gentlemen, gentlemen that I really look up to, um, whether it's from a marriage, business. Um, sports coaches. Now, of course, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. Um, I don't. I really don't watch TV, to be honest with you. Um, it's just a lot of nonsense. So I read somewhere that your diet is more than just your what you eat. It's what you what you in, in, ingest mentally. You know, it's what you read. It's what you listen to. It's the people that you have around you. All of that stuff plays into your diet. So I make it a point to try to keep positive people around me, you know, just get, I need feeding off of that positive energy so I can, you know, give that back out to the world. Yeah. What you consume just ain't about food. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's crazy, man. I, I had, a, I had like a wild dream or something or for something that I was watching this TV playing in the background <laughs> overnight. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that a lot of people just overlook. Um, it, and I got a couple more questions um, for the listeners that, you know, the, just everybody out there, because I'm sure pretty much a lot of people can really benefit from this. If you, um, what advice would you give yourself? If you could take it all back, I'd say maybe, um, maybe after the, the gun situation with your, with your pops and, and well, even, even before then, if you could tell your younger self, uh, what advice would you give your younger self, which is, which will also, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to tie those two in together. The advice for your younger self will also be the same advice for our youth today. What would you tell them coming from somebody who's, who, who's seen a lot, you know what I mean? Who, who, who mm-hmm. made some mistakes and, and still pushing forward and still making it, making it shake. What, what advice would you give the youth out there? First, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't get so caught up in trying to impress everybody. At the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy. If it makes you happy and it's the right thing in your heart and it's not hurting anybody physically or it's not hurting anybody's family, then you follow that. Trust, trust your gut. You know, a lot of, the things that we're taught at a young age um, we're taught for a reason, whether it's good or bad. And you can, you can feel it. You can feel your heart being tugged on in certain directions. And when you know you're not supposed to do something, but you do it anyway to try to fit in of, you know, succumb to peer pressure, mm-hmm. follow, trust you. Don't be so hard on yourself and trust your instincts because I, I think deep down inside we all know from right we all know right from wrong some of us are just more afraid to do right you know if that makes sense you know um Mm -hmm. definitely pay attention to people's energy you can you can definitely if you if you're in tune with that you can you you know who's good for you and who's not good for you yeah, definitely, just, especially yeah. young girls. I I have young girls that I mentor, and I tell them like, look, you gotta pay attention. I say he may be cute, and he may you know got good hair, and you know, 
pay attention to his energy. How does he how does he treat you and how does he make you feel? And not only not only that, when the chips are down, when there's a conflict, how does he respond? How do people respond when things aren't going the way they want? How do people respond when, you know, all hell is breaking loose? You know, are they are they stern? Do they do they turn tail and run? You know, do they man up and handle business? How do they respond? Because that's going to be the telltale of any individual is when things are not going the way they wanted to go. How do they respond? Mm, yeah, that's some some solid solid gems for the youth out there who may be listening. Now, on the on the flip side, what advice would you give someone who's let's say a little older, maybe mid thirties? who might have had a child, might have made a couple mistakes. Because um, I find that a lot of people get older and they're just ready to throw in a t- I remember being younger. I thought 30, was, man, you old. <laughs> you <know what> <laughs> For real. But um, as I've passed that threshold, I'm like, man, I don't feel much of a difference. Everything still works with the exception you know, of, of this leg right now. But uh, what advice would you give someone who may be a little older who might feel like, man, I messed up. Um, I done made too many mistakes. I can't go on. It's, it's, it's over for me. What would you tell them to kind of lift their spirits? It's never too late to start over. Never. It's never too late to start and to, to put yourself in a better position. Yes, you've made mistakes. And I tell them, like, at the end of the day, there's no better teacher than life itself. You know, we can read all the books we want. We can listen to all the podcasts we want. We can watch all the TV, go to all the church. But, and and this is an analogy that I like to use with everybody. You don't know what it's like to get kicked in the face until you get kicked in the face to understand that you don't want to get kicked in the face because you don't like getting kicked in the face. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I caught that in my spirit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to get kicked in the face. And as of course, naturally, as a parent, you don't want to see your kids go through that. Mm-hmm. But you got you, you got to let them go through those struggles because that's how they learn. And that's how they learn how to persevere. That's I mean, and, and hopefully you can just pray that they don't succumb to that. You know, and to answer your question, you got to you got to let your children make mistakes. You have to. You cannot save them. One, you can't save them from themselves. And two, you can't save them from the world. As much as you may want to, you may want to protect them. You may want to keep them in a cocoon for the rest of their life, but you can't do that because it becomes a detriment to their development, you know? And if they decide to have children, you know, you're unknowingly starting, I'm not going to call it a family curse, but you're unknowingly starting a trend that could go you know, in the wrong direction. Yeah, you kind of, um, when you try to protect them from everything, it's, it's you're doing more of a disservice than allowing them to grow and realize, you know, I failed at this, but it's, life goes on. You know, I, I even think of like babies. I, I love babies because there's just, like they, they walk, they fall. And it's nothing to them, I, depending on how you react, depending on how the parent reacts. Like, if the parent goes, oh, my God, you just fell and starts flipping out, exactly. going wild crazy, then 
you know, the baby going to start crying or something like, oh, this is bad right here. But if you're like, uh, it fell, it happens. Get up. Yep. Come on, get up. Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. come on, let's keep going. And then yeah. they'll shake it off. And then, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how just kind of talking people through those things. You know, I, I work at an elementary school part-time as well. So I deal with a lot of young kids and, you know, naturally they'll fall and hurt themselves. And they'll be sitting there crying, going crazy. And I'll just be like, okay, okay, breathe. You gotta, I said, stop holding your breath. I said, you gotta breathe. You gotta breathe. You gotta breathe. Breathe. Take your time. And as soon as they start focusing on their breathing, their their mind goes away from what happened. It goes away from the pain. And I'm just like, just keep breathing. And then 30 seconds later, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. All right, cool. Go have fun. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's yes, just I don't know, it's just little things like that that I learned along the way, you know, whether it's, you know, coaching or you know, just life, being a dad, seeing somebody else, you know, kind of do some things and, you know, just picking and choosing what may work for my situation. So, mm, Absolutely. Gregory, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your time. Before we go, you said you listen to podcasts. Um, do you got any podcasts you can recommend for the listeners? I'm not trying to, you know, maybe I shouldn't even recommend no other podcasts, but what are you doing? Because I like to get it get the info from somebody who's actually um doing that kind of keeping that balance of their sanity being engaged being a father family man all of that good stuff what like even if it's just books what are some of uh, things or even an app even do you have about one or two things you could recommend that you use as resource as a resource that uh helps yeah for uh for me definitely um i'm not sure if you're familiar with i am athlete with um you know the format uh NFL players, Brandon Marshall, Chad Johnson. Um, I, I, I like that because I can relate to being a former athlete. And they talk about so many different things from, you know, aggressiveness to being sensitive to raising daughters. I definitely like that podcast. So the I Am Athlete podcast, okay. um, I listen to Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson because mm-hmm. – I mean, Mike Tyson was the king of the world at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And just listening to him and the way he thinks and just like, look, all of the, all of these belts that I've won, they don't mean anything. Like people put all of this stuff on a pedestal. They, they make, they praise all of this stuff, but it, it don't mean jack. It's junk. The only thing that matters is that your, your kids are healthy and happy, you know, and it's just, that's just one of the things that he talks about, but just kind of listening to, someone who who was the man who was who had money who had women who had anything that anybody could ask for you know and then kind of in his older years because he reminds me a lot of my dad you know Mm -hmm. just how he philosophizes a lot of different things and one more thing um i i get on youtube a lot um uh eric thomas the hip-hop motivator Mm -hmm. listening to him see the hip-hop preacher yeah that's my man. I, I, I definitely rock with him. Him and there's an older guy who used to be a power lifter. His name is C.T. Fletcher. He does a lot of motivational videos. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're into sports, if you're into that, you know, you got to tap into that space in order to perform. I listen to C.T. Whenever I get ready for a job interview, I listen to C.T. Fletcher. And the yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with 
see, 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 see my dog. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> man! I'm telling you, he cold. He has no cut cards, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah, man. He will. He does not care who like it, who don't like it, and that's what I like about him, man. He just he do what he do, and he's successful at it. Yeah, I I, I love it because some people, um, are here like a person that speaks like CT and, and flinch like, oh, I don't like this. My man is yelling at me. Then other people will hear it and say, yeah, I needed this. Let's go. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, 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 I love this balance. Um, Man, Gregory, thank you once again so much. I'm sure all the fathers, brothers, sons uh, in our audience have a much clearer understanding of like just keeping that rhythm, going through things and staying afloat not letting the shit sink and things of that nature you laid yeah you laid it out so clearly made it plain to understand and i want to thank you for that yeah man and i appreciate you you know taking the time i know we was kind of playing you know internet tag for a little bit but definitely <laughs> you know sticking with me and i'm glad we got a chance to sit down and talk and you know hopefully some people can take some some good from this and you know apply it to you know their lives and um yeah, man. I appreciate your time. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, any final words? Any going parting words? Uh, yeah. Um, it's going to be okay. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, it may be tough. It's going to be all right. I promise you. Sometimes when you're going through hell, you got to keep going through to get to the end. You may not see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I promise you, if you just keep moving forward, and stay steadfast in what it is you want to accomplish, everything is going to be all right. And it's as simple as that. Yes, once again, thank you. It's your boy Ronnie Jackson for the good. Let's go, baby. Once again, another From Hood to Good banger featuring my man Greg Gully. Hope y'all enjoyed this one. Hit us up on that IG at From Hood to Good. Let us know what you think about this episode. Let us know what you want to see in the future. Just hit us up. Build that bridge of communication going. One of my favorite parts was that's one thing we got in common. That YouTube, we both support ET, the hip hop preacher. I really like that. So thank you for tuning in this week podcast day. Stay tuned, keep growing, keep building, spread love. It's the Brooklyn way, y'all already know what up.